Imagine if that head trash was not there. Who would you be? What if I told you those fears were no longer a problem? What would you do? I'm Stephanie Costello, a mom of three, wife, and avid mountaineer. Beyond all of these, I am, very much like you, an average person trying to navigate this thing we call life. My goal with this podcast is to bring to light the truth about what intimacy really is. You may smile, feel called out, or learn something new. Either way, you will learn you are in control. This episode is brought to you by Safety in Freedom. Are you struggling to find safety in the freedom you create? Or maybe you're struggling to own your power, embrace who you are, and break free from those toxic patterns? Well, let's help you solve this problem today. Let's figure out what is really happening in your relationships with yourself and others. You can do that for free today at safetyinfreedom.com forward slash call. That is safetyinfreedom.com forward slash call. In addition, if you are looking for support with what we've been talking about in today's episode, I want to encourage you to get our free tools to help you navigate your freedom. You can go now to safetyinfreedom.com to get those resources. If you'd like access to the special resources and all the show notes for this special episode, make sure to visit theintimacytruths.com. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing to you Dave Wolf, who is a recovering addict who detoxed from sugar, grains, and 25 years of ADHD meds. And this is from a former artisan bread baker and registered dietitian. He is co-author of The Fix for Cravings. He personally understands addiction, interaction, disorder, one disease, many outlets, and often says switching outlets is like switching seats on the Titanic. The ship is still sinking. As co-founder of SugarX Global, Dave helped develop a system based on care, connection, action, steps, recovery protection, and education as the foundation for addicts to grow, recover, and transform. He can be reached at hello at sugarxglobal.com or at triggerfree underscore rd. All right, all right. Welcome back to the Intimacy Truths podcast, where we have Dave Wolf here to talk to us about doing things and doing the hard things. Dave, thanks for being here. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for Absolutely. having me. You're welcome. I, and thank you for having me with your, your free group there to talk all yeah, about sure. addiction Absolutely. recovery. Yeah. Which I'm super excited to get into the weeds of. So tell us, where did your recovery start and your journey with doing hard things start? Yeah, probably when I was a kid. Um, I was around addiction my whole life. My mom was uh, a self-proclaimed food addict. So just kind of there as a kid, I remember what it was like when she was in it and in her recovery. And I remember what it was like when she was active and it was a very different place to live. So, um, yeah, I would say it started, it started as a young age and then, um, you know, I was always thin, so I never really knew I had a problem until, uh, till much later. Like, uh, I would, I would like get home from school. I would like run downstairs. I grab like five packs of fruit snacks. Mm -hmm. I devour them and I like hide the wrappers. And I didn't really know why I did that. And then, uh, turns out my mom thought the babysitter was stealing food. So, (laughs) It never really showed up because uh, I was always a little kid. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And then, uh, so where did it progress from there? So as you were little, you kind of just had the binge eating, which I yeah, did. Yeah, so I, I was put on. So my sister went to go get tested for ADD when she was 
she must have been like in the third grade. And the psychologist told my mom, she's like, by the way, you should probably take out stock and Ritalin because your son and husband have it too. Oh, wow. So I was put on meds at a really young age. So it yeah. probably suppressed my appetite pretty sufficiently. Uh, so um, it's hard to say. It's kind of kind of gets messy because there's a lot of variables at play. Mm. Um, but definitely like I only eat like brown or beige foods for a long time. Oh. I was really picky eater. I wouldn't eat during the day because of the medicine, but then I'd eat. I'd eat for like three grown adults at dinner. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I like to kind of make up lost ground. Interesting. Like asking for food because I hadn't eaten all day. Yeah. So. And the medicine, so the medicine uh, was supposed to help you, but then it, it sort of added to the eating challenges. I think it, um, oh, I definitely think it helped me. I mean, I mean, I don't know I would be where I, where I am now without that support, but uh, okay. yeah, it, it has side effects. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. And so, um, as you're, as you're figuring out what it's like to live with ADHD and, uh, taking the medication, how did that evolve for you into where you are now? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's been a long journey. <laughs> um, I think, uh, I think I had to relearn how to learn mm. like without meds. So that was definitely, um, a big thing for me, I, I, I think I learned how to learn on amphetamines. So I had to relearn how to learn kind of off them. And that was like a big curveball. And I did that as an adult, like as, okay. a, as a working person. Yeah. But I think, I think there's been a lot of sort of evolutions. There's been physical changes, emotional changes, spiritual changes, like mm -hmm. lifestyle changes. There's been a lot of different stuff that's kind of happened along the way. Relationship I, changes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, marriage, kids, all that stuff. Yeah. So, and even like relationship with mom, like if you, based on what you were yeah, saying. Yeah. So I work with my mom now. Right. So, yeah. um, so yeah. So I, you know, I've had to learn how to like teach my mom technology. Like that's not, that's not easy for a son to do. Like teach his mom how to use a computer, you know, things like yeah. that. So <laughs> with that, you have to learn you know, patience and right. all sorts of things that, that an impulsive kid like me has to learn. Like, I don't, mm. that my default mechanism is not to be patient. It's to be very impulsive. Mm. So, you know, um, and I think without meds, it's like, I have to use willpower to manage that, those sorts of things. Right. Right. So in that, and like in addiction recovery, we don't want you to rely very much on willpower. It's a very faulty system. So it only lasts for like 15 minutes and then mm -hmm. you're like, you run out and it's exhausting. So I think, um, kind of learning how to like recharge yourself so that you can, you know, handle life and be pretty graceful, um, with others as you kind of go through that process. Mm, having that back and forth relationship, right. If, if you, it's interesting, uh, it's awesome that you and your mom have been able to evolve into where you are now, because obviously with those food challenges, there was other challenges there too. The food is kind of like the outward way to that challenge is being expressed. And then over time, you're like, okay, these challenges are no longer are part of my life. And you're starting to make those shifts. And then sounds like mom also made those shifts with you as you were on sure. your learning journey. And that really yeah, helped yeah. build your bond. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, there's no question about it. Relationships are hard work, right? So yeah you have to put in the effort and you have to want the results. Right. Uh, but yeah, definitely. We've both changed a lot over the years. I think, um, I think a lot in many ways and also 
as individuals like yes. together separately. So right, which is um, exactly how the process works. It has to be right. individually, and then be able to bring that those change and that growth patiently in and together. Definitely, yeah. I love yeah. it. It's like work, like and not that it's like boring and dreadful, but it like it takes inertia and effort and momentum, right. and so you just kind of got to keep keep striving for what's important. Exactly, and, and things that are important change. And that's okay. And we take the information that we have and we run with it to the best of our ability and just pivot when we have to. Right. And so the pivoting piece and the willpower piece. So uh, going back to what you said about willpower being a faulty system, what are some of the top three ways that you use your willpower, but then also set your willpower up for success? Okay. So I know that if I'm putting myself in a situation where I need a bunch of it, uh, I'm going to need to reset the system afterwards. Right. Like if I'm put in a situation, like let's say it's a family situation and I know like I have to be patient with people that I have a difficult time being patient with, mm -hmm. um, like just being like a human, you know? Yeah. So um, I know that it, that's going to be hard. So then I, I look for we'll schedule in time for me to like revamp myself up. So I kind of spread out my stresses. Mm. So I have time to, whether it's, meditate or or like i'm really into crystal so like do some crystal work or, mm -hmm. or just like take a nap or whatever um so we used to we used to do these like holidays where it was like um my mom my wife's from a split family so you know this this meal and so we would do like thanksgiving here thanksgiving there thanksgiving here and it would no, be like i you hear you yeah so um so like things like that to like changes to my lifestyle other things um that i think are really helpful is just knowing your own limitations like knowing what you're good at knowing what you're bad at like i had a mentor that told me he's like, as a recent chef actually was i was cooking for him and he said it's just as important to focus on what you're the best at as it is to focus on what you stink at like so mm. kind of like improving on those things so that gives me the ability to grow kind of on both ends um, of the candle, so to speak, and trying to think of what a third one might be. You know, I, I think, I think community is always my answer to everything. Mm. You know, always, always like, if I feel like I have a burden on my shoulders, I always reach out to someone. Like, I think, um, a lot of people look at asking for help as a weakness. I think it's probably one of my biggest strengths, just the willingness to ask anybody for help. Like, um, I'm in the medical field, right? And like, I have a doctor, his name's Dr. Hamity. He's like, he's like the man. He's like, if I have a medical question, I ask him because I know he can help me. Like, why should I spend hours trying to find the answer when I know somebody that has it? Mm. So I think just kind of like mustering the courage and the willingness to just be like, ask for help. And Elton John says, he's like, those are the three words that saved my life. Please help me. So, and, and generally speaking, when you genuinely ask someone who you think can help you for help, they usually do it and they, they're happy to. Uh, so so I think those three strategies are massive. Yes. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. I appreciate it significantly. And it's so true. Community uh, is, well, mustering the courage to communicate, which is kind of what we've been focusing on here at Safety and Freedom, the courageous communication system, because there is a little bit of mustering that courage to be able to communicate what we're needing. And then to then be able to trust in the people that we're asking or we're communicating with to, to guide us in a way that we're needing to be guided is a significant uh, evolutionary process. Uh, for me, I, one of my core values is uh, create experience or yes, create experience and commit to change. 
finding those opportunities to create the change, to experience the change and to commit to that, that development and that evolutionary uh, process. And uh, in order to do that, we have to be okay with our weaknesses. We have to embrace our weaknesses in the same way we will embrace our strengths. As if we're talking about the sky's blue, like, yeah, I am a hot mess sometimes as a mom, but guess what? The sky's blue. And it just is, it is what it is. And, right. and being okay with those, those pieces to right. ourselves. I mean, the reality is we have, we, we have varied traits as humans, right? Yeah. Like some are good, some are bad, some right. are in the middle somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, generally speaking, they're relatively proportional, like, my good traits are really good and my bad traits are some of them are really bad. (laughs) So they balance each other out and, and, um, and it all comes out in the wash, so to speak, but um, being able to know where to apply leverage is super helpful. Mm -hmm. So like one of the things we do a lot with the people that we work with is we, we something called a recovery grid where we we have people kind of analyze and rate themselves on a scale from one to 10, like what they're doing really well and what they're not. And then like the lowest number is the alligator closest to your boat. Like that's your biggest weakness. So that's really helpful information. It's not designed to beat you up. It's designed to tell you like, here's, here's the port of entry, right? So like, here's where the things are going to sneak up on you. You rated it the lowest probably for a reason. Mm -hmm. What if you applied energy and pressure there, even at five or 10 minutes a day, uh and then you build it up and then and then you you redo the the grid and you find out oh there's something else that i need to work on even more now so that's the alligator closest to my boat as we call it so then we focus on that alligator for a little while so it gives us it it, because otherwise we just get we just get locked down and overwhelmed and then we can't do anything yeah so where can people get access to that um it's one of the tools that we use in our community. I, oh, okay. I, I thought I it was a, a free access, tool. But it's, uh, but it's um, it, it would be a good one. It's a good thought. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so community listeners, when you're in, if you're interested, <laughs> you can uh, sugar X global and we'll talk more about that in a little bit. So sure. you also have another piece of um, care that you use in your community. So tell us more about the care process. Yeah. So care stands for um, well, we really built our community on love. So I think, okay. I think like we built it on principles um, that we, the three of us believe in. So some of the principles that you've already talked about, some of them really, you talked about courage. I think courage is a principle. Yeah. Um, you know, I think service is a principle. I think honesty, is a, these are the things we're guided by. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of built a, a, um, a platform around those things. So care, it stands for connection, action steps, uh, recovery, protection, and education. So we believe mm-hmm. We need to stay connected. And that's the big community piece. It's like, there's a saying that says an addict alone is in bad company, mm-hmm. right? So, or I've heard also, if you're home alone, you're outnumbered. So it's just like, if we're alone in our own head with our disease, then generally speaking, it's very hard for good things to happen. Mm-hmm. So the connection piece really is our biggest defense. And, and we say connection is our best protection. Um, action steps is like, it's really nice to know that you're an addict, but now what? Yes, exactly. Right. So like, um, so there are literally steps that you can take, depending on what your situation is, that will always help you. Right. So um, reaching out will always help you. Mm-hmm. Um, asking someone else for feedback, that's going to be like, that's an action step you can take. It's just one example. But having a system to walk people through of the actions that they can take in the order that's most beneficial to them and their recovery is really powerful. Yes. And then and then the R is recovery protection. And um, you you may have heard the term relapse prevention. Yeah. Um, I hate that word. It's Agreed. Like, it sounds like sterile and cold, yeah. and boring. Like you failed. And like, it just sounds like 
I don't know. It's just it like, just, it's Nick, like it just has a like, yeah. It just sounds dreadful. So we turned around to recovery protection. So what can you do to protect your recovery? Because that's what ultimately preventing relapse is. It's about right. sustaining recovery. You can't be in recovery and relapse at the same time. It's not possible. Right. They're totally two separate processes. So really teaching people how to protect the recovery, what that looks like. One of the questions we ask people is, uh, so it's a prompt and you would just blast out answers as much as you can. And so one of, one of the prompt is, I know my recovery is in trouble when dot, dot, dot. So it could be any number of things. It could be like um, when I'm not getting enough sleep, it could be, um, it could be when I miss my morning routine. It could be mm. could be anything. The point is, it's to the individual. It's not important that you know what mine are. It's important that you know what yours are. Mm. So that's a big piece of recovery potential is, is figuring out what are the warning signs that we're in this process so we can work our way out of the process and back into recovery. Mm. So the sooner you identify a warning sign, the easier it is to correct it because they escalate. There's a there's like a sequence of events that leads someone back to relapse, mm-hmm. um, and again, relapse being a, a process, not not you drugging the process that gets you to the point where right. you might do that, right? And then education. I mean, we think wisdom is power. I don't think knowledge is everything. I think action is everything. But having the information and the knowledge on, on how to apply and and back to the action steps, how do we apply the information? How do we apply the knowledge so it benefits our recovery? Um, so it's not just like facts and bullet points. It's more like, it's more application. Um, it's more kind of like system oriented. So you know where you're at and you also know how to get where you want to go. Mm, so powerful. And the piece that I think uh, we're sort of dancing around in this conversation is the process is, there's a there's a generic process that we all kind of follow and we can kind of identify, but how you attack that process is so, solely by the design that you create. And I think that's something that people don't feel confident in in themselves across the board, not just in, in recovery. Sure. Uh, they, they don't feel like they have power. They don't feel like they have the ability to guide themselves in their life the way they want to by their design, not by default, not by somebody else, what somebody else told you to do. I feel uh, humans can be super habitual and, and um, uh, trainable. To our own thinking too. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's another Anna-ism. <laughs> Anna's all good with their Anna-isms. Yeah. It's, it's, in, it's very powerful um, to, to just be able to say to somebody, you have control. Like you get to design this. I'm my answers are not your answers. What are your answers? Right. And that's a terribly uncomfortable process for people to really get clear. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I asked, was asked that someone asked me that I was like, what is the one variable that people need in order to recover from addiction? And my answer is vulnerability. Confidence in vulnerability. Yeah. Yep. yeah. That, like embracing not it. Putting yourself in an unsafe place, but rather right. being able to go visit it from time to time for short intervals that because that's where the growth is going to happen or even in vulnerability like in the work with communication that we do uh courageous communication in order to be courageous there needs to be a level of vulnerability that you're confident in having and you're confident in saying these are my needs and there there's parts of these that are set in the sand and aren't going anywhere but there's also parts that i'm willing to negotiate with you instead of just negotiating all of our our parts and just throwing our needs in the trash and meeting everybody else's needs right and and if we're internally or internally motivated right we get away from these rules yeah we start we're motivated by these things I, i refer to them as principles 
Mm-hmm. So it's easier for me, like it's easy for me to be honest because it's a principle that's important to me. Like right. I'm internally motivated to be honest. Yeah. Or to be courageous or whatever it is. But it's but it's not like a burden for me to practice that because I believe in it. So if we can be guided by these things, it it just makes it feel like a lot less like work. A hundred percent. And so all in all, when it comes to talking about uh, doing the hard things, the, the, the core piece to it, and it, I just lost it, so I'll have to edit this part out. Um, hold on. Totally gone. I hate when my, my brain and my chronic condition that happens sometimes, and it's usually around between three and five when my brain just goes poop right out the window. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, what were, what My, were you, I like, I can't just... type as fast as I can think. So that happens. Yeah. What were you just saying? Repeat, go back to what you were saying and then I'll start. Okay. I was talking about principles. Principles. And there's another term for principles. Beliefs. Okay. There we go. Now I, I caught it. But okay. So, uh, the number one piece to working at the pieces in our lives that are hard is our belief system. And recently I found, uh, this, this quote around beliefs and beliefs are, assumptions that we made or thoughts, not assumptions, beliefs are thoughts that we had and made dedicated to a long time ago that we stopped questioning. And when we stop questioning our beliefs and we just sit in something that we made maybe a blind agreement to, it doesn't give us the space to start have that evolutionary process in our own terms, in our own way. Usually it was something that we were guided into without realizing what we were guided into. And so, um, I am super grateful and passionate about people being able to share their story. So thank you for sharing your story and your passion sure. uh, for, for recovery and, and being able to confidently say so and not have any shame or guilt around it. That's, that's a significant thing to celebrate. Yeah, well, shame is a burden that doesn't serve anybody. This is so true. Just, yeah, and I really think what people need is it's not that they need to learn new things. They need to unlearn old things. That's really what it is. It's like... <laughs> belief systems ideologies yeah. that uh things that no longer serve us like as i grow i have to untether myself from the things that prevent me from growing so i think i think that's that's a big piece of it all yes and so is there any question that i didn't ask you that you would anything you'd like to leave the listeners with no i just believe in hope and that you can do hard things and that it's possible and and that with a little help from your friends it makes it a lot easier and and that I believe in you, regardless where you're at and what you're doing. And I just believe in you. Aww. And then where can people find you? Yeah, so um, at sugarxglobal.com is a great way to find us. Um, I'm, I'm pretty active on Twitter as well. And um, you can find me there. And um, just be happy to meet anyone who wants help. Love it. Thank you for sharing. Thank you.